Our first reading is from the book of Amos in the fifth chapter. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph and it devour, with none to quench it for Bethel. Oh, you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. They hate him who reproves in the gates, and they abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins, you who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that, thou, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. This is the word of the Lord. In our epistle reading this morning from the letter to the Hebrews in the third chapter. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of disbelief. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you're able for the reading of the gospel. Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the gospel of our Lord. You please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us each day. We thank you for bringing us to this place where we get to hear your word and receive your gifts. We pray, Lord, that you would work by your spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, that we would hear your pure word for us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This text is an interesting one. We really only get half the story. The other half, you have to come back next week. 
4, because the conversation continues. But today we see such a very interesting moment as Jesus and his disciples are walking through the towns and the cities and going towards Jerusalem, and they're heading on the way there. And a man, just seemingly almost from nowhere, comes running up to Jesus and kneels before him and puts on such a wonderful show of faith and obedience kneels before him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That question got me thinking a little bit. First off, I love the fact that Jesus uh, sees through the question a little bit. In good rabbinical fashion, asks another question. He actually gives a little bit of an answer, too. Why do you call me good? Never strike you as odd. Here the guy is asking, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns it around and says, why do you, hold on, before we get there, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God alone. Almost handing him a little bit of an answer of who he is, right? Well, who is this guy that ran up and knelt down before Jesus? You hear about him in all, uh, at least three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You hear of this rich young ruler as one way he's described, rich young man in another setting. Nonetheless, he was affluent. Everything in life was going well for him. And in that culture, in that moment, that meant God blessed him. The many blessings that God was bringing into his life, and he obviously was doing good things because he had money. He could buy all the right sacrifices. He could offer up the right taxes and tithes at the temple. He could offer up all these perfect duties and good things. Yet, he's also struggling with a little bit of doubt. I mean, all these good things are going on in his life. He's the good one in the society. He's the good person who is doing all of the commandments in the way that he should and the way that God has handed them to him. He's the one following the letter of the law and following God's word and present at the temple when he needs to be and following all of the Sabbaths and following all of the feasts and and doing everything that he's supposed to do. Yet, when this teacher who has done amazing thing runs in, The guy still needs to know. It doesn't feel like I've done enough, Jesus. What do I need to do? What else do I need to do? I think people wrestle with that question nowadays as well. How often do you hear the phrase, they are such a good person? You hear it a lot. If if you haven't heard it, uh, you can usually go to just about any funeral service or any news article when somebody has suddenly died or something like that. And they say they were such a good person. We never even could have imagined they would have done what they did. Or it was so tragic, they were so good. And that's good. I'm, I'm glad they were good. But see, in all of our goodness, as much as we may hold on to our goodness and rely upon and trust in our goodness, it still leaves doubt. Because are you ever good enough? Maybe you grew up in a household where you were never quite sure of that level of good enough. An expectation was always either moved or an expectation was set so high that you just never really could attain that goodness. You could never quite be good enough to have the praises sung about your work. Or you'd turn in something that was good and they'd say, well, you could do better. See, when we hear God's word, and we see his expectation of perfection. 
we wonder, is it really that that we need to attain? Or is it some level where we can wrap our heads around it and maybe soften it a little bit so we can say we've been good enough? I've done enough good. And so this teacher, kneel, or not the teacher, the young man kneeling down at the feet of the teacher says, what must I do? What else must I do? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? It's only God that's good, right? And then he asks him another one. Well, you know the commandments. He speaks them a little out of the order that we're used to hearing them. He kind of starts with the easier ones to attain, right? Don't murder anybody. The guy's like, yep, yep, cool. Don't steal. Yep, got it, got it. Been doing that one the whole time. I haven't taken anything from anybody. In fact, I usually pay my way or maybe even pay somebody else's way. I've done good things in those senses, right? Don't commit adultery. Okay, got it. Yep, I've been honest and faithful, wonderful. And then he finishes off with honor your father and mother. He's like, yep, been doing that. I've been bringing them honor, not shame, doing all of that, right? What? must I do, Jesus? What must I accomplish? What must I get done so that I can inherit eternal life? I find it interesting that as Jesus speaks to this man, he hands him all of the ones that deal with the relationship with our neighbors, with the people around us. And I think more often than not, we would look at those two and say, well, yeah, for the most part, I think I've taken care of those. At least on the surface level. Right? When we start to hear Jesus' words a little deeper on the Sermon on the Mount, when murder all of a sudden becomes hate and adultery all of a sudden becomes lust or desire and we start looking at things where it's sins of the heart rather than sins of the hands, we start to realize that even what we do is not so good. Even what we do is tainted with sin. But Jesus sees this young man and sees that his heart lies within a couple of things. It lies within his goodness and action. And it lies within his money, his wealth, his ability to maintain on his own. And so I ask you to think, are there times in life where your trust may lay somewhere outside of God? What's that sound like? For a student, does that trust lie within how a college is going to look at you based upon grades? Is that trust um, lies somewhere in our ability to financially take care of ourselves into retirement? Does that trust lie within areas of places where we just think we've got it handled in our own hands? I know there's certainly times in my life where that's exactly the case. It was not so much a trust in where God was leading, how God was guiding and God was taking care of things, but how I had set things up or organized things or scheduled things. When I had taken one job that 30 days later ended, not by my doing, but by being let go. Those moments where you've got everything worked out and then things change. So this man's trust as he falls down at the knees of Jesus is trusting in what he is able to accomplish and do. And obviously thinking he's good with all the blessings and money that have come into his life. So Jesus finally gets to the heart of the matter and sees through everything that's going on in this man's life and he asks one question. He says, you lack, not even ask the question, tells him, you lack one thing. Just one thing. Go sell everything. Stop relying upon yourself. You actually lack trust in God. 
The very first commandment, right? We should fear, love, and trust God above all things is the answer to it in the small catechism. You shall have no other gods before me, not your abilities, not your monies, not your goodness, not any of that. We should have no other gods before the one who has redeemed us out of our sin, the one who has bought us back from that slavery to sin, the one who has forgiven everything about us, the one who has even redeemed our good works to make them even gooder, better, perfect, or... <laughs> but that goodness, the goodness of God that's handed over to us freely. And what I love throughout that entire moment is that when Jesus looked at him, it was not in condemnation, it was not in judgment, but the one little phrase in there, loving him. Loving this man in the midst of his sin. Loving this man in the midst of everything that he thought he was able to do on his own. Loving this man in the midst of saying, look at all this stuff I've done and what else do I need to do? Loving him in the midst of that, Jesus says, look, let all of that go and follow me. Now we have no idea whether or not this man ended up following Jesus or not. What we do know is that he left disheartened. Lacking heart, heart fallen, sad, distraught in the midst of that. Because everything that he had built his foundation upon was absolutely stripped away by this good teacher. And this good teacher looked at him and said, look, all you need to do is trust me. Follow me. Let me be the one that is actually the foundation of your goodness. Let me be the one that takes care of you because I already am. Because I am God. I am the one good thing. The one good thing that is going to take care of you through the good times and the bad times. The one good thing that's going to take care of you through the health and through the sickness. The one good thing that's going to take care of you through the joys and through the sadness. And the one good thing that's going to take care of you into eternity. Jesus, loving him, loves us as well. In all those moments where we want to lift things up to God and say, look at all I've done, God. Look at all these things that I've accomplished for your good. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm good on my own. Thank you. You can let all those things go and know that I love you. Know that I've forgiven you. Know that I've done everything for you into eternity. Know that none of those things really matter in the end. And they're good things to share and to hand out and to take care of one another. Those are all good things. But to inherit eternal life, there's only one good thing. And that's Jesus, who's died and risen for you and carries you through every single day. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus, and that by your Spirit, you lead us to him. We pray, Lord, that you continue to guide us, continue to guard us, continue to keep us in your grace and mercy, in the love that you have shown us in Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Do you please rise as you're able and we sing.